feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Everybody, what is your reaction specifically to the election? What did you make of the midterms and some of the different, interesting, different? I guess, you know, we're still waiting at this moment because we still don't know officially if it looks like the House will go to the GOP. It looks like it by all, you know, measures pretty much. Um, And then, of course, the Senate. Still a number of key races up for grabs. We're still waiting, of course, for Nevada, and we're waiting also for Arizona, and we're waiting for Georgia. So the Republicans could end up being in control of the House and the Senate against a Democratic president who is wildly unpopular, wildly unpopular. What do you make, first off, of some of the different mixed responses and mixed reactions and mixed results that happened with the midterms, because it was really surprising. There were some things that I thought were expected. There were some that I thought were big surprises. There were some that I thought were interesting that were like right on the cusp. Look at Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin came, you know, within just a few single digits, basically percentage wise with Kathy Hochul. Just conceding Lee Zeldin just a few hours ago and still saying that, of course, he's focused on crime and he's focused on so many other issues in this country and will remain to make sure that New York stays safe and that there will be changes. So I think Lee Zeldin can hold his head high. It was pretty incredible, I think, the fact that indeed he came as close as he did to Kathy Hochul. I mean, it was pretty amazing. You know, New York's a very, very blue state. And yet at the end of the day, you know, it's about six percentage points. It was a very, very tight race at the end. And he certainly helped, I think, a lot of the candidates, particularly in New York, on Long Island and elsewhere. I mean, the irony of it all is even though Lee Zeldin didn't win against Kathy Hochul, his definite great response that he got and the outpouring of votes that he got in New York State, I think, absolutely carried the day for some some of these other candidates. There's no question. I mean, you look at Michael Lawler, you look at George Santos, you look at a number of those. And those races, I think a lot of those candidates, if they didn't have somebody like a Lee Zeldin at the top of the ticket and who was definitely surging at the end, I think that I don't think they would have won. I think a number of them would have had a really, really hard time or their races would have been like razor thin, you know, and some of them won handily. They won significantly. And so because of that, I think Lee Zeldin certainly can hold his head high. I think there's a lot for him to be proud about. I want to get your reaction tonight to the midterms. And also, we're going to talk later on in the hour about Trump, DeSantis. There's a lot to talk about. And there's certainly a lot to talk about in regards to President Biden, because he's like doing a good old victory lap. And I'm not sure if there's anything for him at this point to really be skipping along. I do think clearly it was not a red wave. I think there was a red, you know, ripple, if you will, 
Um, I'm surprised by a number of it. I want to hear if you are surprised. I was with all of you, of course, as the results were coming in. In fact, I was with you last night as soon as the Zeldin race uh, was called for Kathy Hochul. And I remember I was like, wow, oh, my goodness. And then, of course, Zeldin didn't concede because he was waiting to see what was going to happen with some of those Long Island votes because a lot of those had yet to be counted. They finally were tallied, as we know, late last night and into the morning. And then he decided, "Okay, I'm going to concede. But there are a lot of dynamics there. Look at J.D. Vance over there in Ohio. He won. He was a MAGA candidate. He got MAGA endorsement. He got Trump endorsement. And he did well. And you could make the case that he didn't get Trump's endorsement, especially in the primary, that he may not have even made it past the primary. It was a pretty crowded field. So there are a lot of people today who are saying, well, uh, maybe they're not sure about MAGA today. There are other people who say that it was a mixed result. You could make the case that, yes, listen, Oz didn't win. He lost to Fetterman. That one is like, oh, my goodness, this is the guy. If we think Kathy Hochul has issues with holding criminals accountable, You know, Fetterman's basically going to drive them home, give them the key and say, hey, have a good time, everybody. I mean, this guy has a history of letting out people who have murder convictions. You know, it to me is stunning. And to me, there's a huge loss for democracy today as I'm sitting and I'm looking and I'm thinking so much. My first reaction first on the Fetterman race, because that was happening. A lot of the numbers were coming in when we were together last night and When the numbers came in and it was called for Fetterman, my first thought was, what a sad testament to democracy. Not Joe Biden's version of democracy, but my version. And the reason I say that, here is a guy who avoided a debate for so long. They already had many days of of early voting in Pennsylvania. That's one of the states that has tons of early voting. They had hundreds of thousands of people who had early voted before Fetterman even got on the debate stage against Oz. Now, I don't think there's anybody who watched that debate who can, with a straight face, say that Fetterman was a rock star. I mean, that was that hello, good night debate, remember? It was like that's how we started the debate. Then he was fumbling, bumbling all over the place about fracking. There were so many of those issues. And, you know, Dr. Oz was, I think, very eloquent. I think... He obviously had some issues to overcome. They were accusing him of being a carpetbagger, that he wasn't from Pennsylvania, that he had spent time in New Jersey. I mean, there were all these things, and they were throwing everything but the kitchen sink at him. And yet he clearly was much more, you know, uh, senatorial during the debate. Um, He certainly, you know, knew the issues. I think he certainly cares about public service. Um, I've met Dr. Oz. He's a great guy. And you sit there and you go, wait a minute, had the voters actually seen that debate, I wonder if the results would have been so different. And so my thought tonight was how sad is this that the people who basically stayed hold up, if you think about it, Kathy Hochul only agreed to one debate with Lee Zeldin. And remember, it came together like a day and a half before the debate. It was like. You know, she was only going to do that one. Lee Zeldin wanted to do a whole bunch or none. And then finally they agreed to do sort of that one last minute. It was on, you know, a liberal leaning network, if you will. New York one, you know, certainly has a little more of a Democratic propensity, if you will. Um, And Lee Zeldin in that debate 
held her feet to the fire, kept saying, you're not giving an answer. You're not giving an answer. You're not giving an answer. And then she finally said, I don't know why you care so much about crime. Remember? And that actually turned the debate for Lee Zeldin. I thought at that moment, and you could see the headlines everywhere because everyone was so shocked that she made, oh, why do you care about crime? Why do you care about criminals, essentially? And that basically turned everything around to give him momentum because he was pretty far behind and he had a great momentum. And you think about had this been a normal situation where there would have been maybe two or three or four debates with the two candidates, what could have happened maybe the next go round? What could have happened or if that debate had happened sooner? But because Kathy Hochul and they only agreed to the one that he she would very careful where it was, how it was going to happen, happened last minute, comes together. It was so protected that there was damage, I think, done to her in that debate. But there wasn't that much time, if you will, before Election Day. And she certainly brought out the big Democratic machine, lots of money. And also New York City is such a huge Democratic area. And that overwhelmingly helped her across the state. There's no question about it. And elsewhere, too. Erie, where she's from, she did well. Of course, that's her home turf. Often that's the turf of the of the GOP person. But in this case, that's her home turf. But she did absolutely pull out a win. And they definitely stepped up with the rallies and all that other stuff in the middle of all that. But then you go back to Fetterman. Fetterman, they had so many early votes that were in before they could see that moment of him on the stage. And so I wonder, had that debate happened sooner? I wonder if the Hochul-Lee-Zeldin debate happened sooner, which traditionally, usually they always agree to a few debates. It's standard practice. And then you think about Joe Biden. Maybe they're taking a cue from him. Because remember, he like basically stayed holed up in his basement. And that helped him to get his election. Because I think had we seen Joe Biden out there, you know, in the last go-round, and had he had to deal with, you know, reporters' questions or campaigns and all the other things, then maybe he might not have been elected. I mean, there were there's so many of this strategy. It's this sort of like hide out and, you know, avoid being grilled. And how funny today that we see Joe Biden out there in a press conference today and he's answering all these questions. Like now today, suddenly spring has sprung and he's able to speak and able to answer reporters' questions because, of course, he's happy with the results, as the Democrats should, because they didn't really get, you know, the the bloodbath on the other side that everybody was expecting an enormous red wave. I thought for sure there would be at least some sort of a red wave. Maybe it's a red ripple. And I'll tell you where the silver lining is in just a moment. And it isn't all good news for the Democrats, but he didn't get pounded like so many people expected And that's why just a little bit ago, here is President Biden proclaiming that all is well in the world uh, now that they didn't suffer too much in the midterms. Take a listen. Well, we had an election yesterday. (laughs) And uh, it was a good day, I think, for democracy. And I think it was a good day for America. Excuse me, I have a little horse. Our democracy has been tested in recent years, but uh, with their votes... uh, The American people have spoken and proven once again that democracy is who we are. Democracy is who we are because it worked on the Democrats' behalf. In other words, democracy is on the line. You heard what they said, that MAGA is a threat to democracy. And the sad result is that they're going to basically probably use the same playbook for probably every election, at least in the near future. They believe it's a winning strategy. 
And from a political standpoint, it looks like it did work a little bit. I mean, as you can tell, I think it worked in many ways. And I also think every different race is different. You look at all the different characteristics. In some races, clearly crime was the number one issue. Clearly it was resonating with Lee Zeldin. You could see in the polls and you could see that he did do well. He has a lot to, again, be proud of because of the success. There hasn't been a Republican in the statewide office in New York in 20 years. And he came really very, very close. It's a lot to be proud of. But where are the lessons from what happened on both sides? And that's what I want to get your thoughts on tonight. Where do you think the Republicans fell short? Where were the surprises for you, good and bad? And what can both sides take away from what was truly a historic midterm? And again, we still don't know. Uh, It looks like the House is going to end up, I believe, in the Republican hands right now. It's 189 Dem, 208 uh, depending where you look, some people have different numbers of different, you know, different networks. But where do you believe this is ultimately headed? And especially if indeed they get the House and what if they get the Senate? Uh, then Joe Biden is in for a really, really rough, wa- rough ride in so many different regards. Here is uh, Joe Biden when he was asked today. This is an amazing question because this is a president right now when people are asked, how how do you feel about the country? Do you feel it's headed in the right direction? 75% of Americans in recent polls say they are unhappy with the direction of this country. And this is why I think the midterm results are so astounding. You have an overwhelming amount of Americans. You have high inflation. You got high gas prices. You got high crime. Uh, You got so many questions about foreign policy. You got an open border. You got so many issues. And yet they did decent for sure last night. They absolutely did do decent last night. It wasn't a bloodbath for the Democrats, as many people expected. And yet this president now, and this is the other sad thing for democracy, is going to take that basically uh, soft hit that they got, if you will. And he's going to take it and basically say he's got a mandate to keep doing what he's doing. And sure enough, he did. Today, he started slamming oil companies again. He basically started talking about climate change and windmills again. It was like, uh, what crime? What economy? What this? What that? My goodness. So it's not like nothing's going to change. And that's the sad thing. Also, you wonder, will Kathy Hochul change? Will she take the message that clearly a lot of people are concerned about crime, so much so that they almost elected a Republican to be in the governor's house in New York? So. And we're not clear on that. They may think they have a mandate to just keep up with the same old, same old. And that means the next two years in terms of fixing crime, fixing the economy, uh, you know, fixing our gas prices. I'm not sure any of that is going to happen. And that is a sad, sad testament. But yet, if you ask President Biden, what would you do differently in the next two years? And you could think, you know, people would say, oh, here's the lesson learned. Here's this. Uh, uh, uh. He was perfect. And he's going to keep doing what he's doing. That's the message he got from last night. And boy, is that going to be tough for so many Americans. Take a listen to this exchange just a little bit ago. You mentioned that uh, Americans are frustrated. And in fact, 75 percent of voters say the country is heading into the wrong direction despite the results of last night. What in the next two years do you intend to do differently uh, to change people's uh, opinion of the direction of the country, particularly as you contemplate a run 
for president in 2024? Nothing, because they're just finding out what we're doing. The more they know about what we're doing, the more support there is. Do you know anybody who wants us to get rid of the change we made on prescription drug prices and raise prices again? Do you know anybody who wants us to walk away from building those roads and bridges and, and the Internet and so on? Wow. What is your reaction? Nothing. We're not going to change a thing. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. When we get back, we're going to take your calls. What did you think of the midterms and what are the lessons learned? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. are taking your reactions to one of the wildest midterms, I think, that's happened in decades with a lot of twists and turns. And again, we're still waiting to see the fate of the House and the Senate. It looks like the House is going to go into GOP hands. Many are already kind of proclaiming that and predicting it. Uh, Also, Kevin McCarthy looks like he would be the speaker. And we'll see what happens with that. There's going to be a vote next week. But there's a lot of soul searching today on both sides, except not President Biden. He thinks things are great and he's going to keep on doing what he's doing. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Michael in Dallas. Michael, your thoughts about the midterms. What did you think? Hi, Rita. I'm um, I'm an independent conservative. And I think as far as the midterms, I listened to a lot of exit polls today, and I think the GOP is missing the boat when it comes to the younger voter, the 40 and under crowd. They just don't relate any longer to the Mitch McConnells and the Lindsey Grahams and uh, people like that. And, you know, they're a bit burned out with the establishment because of what's happened within our country and, and e- economy and such. So they look for something new, something different. I think that's why Trump was such a breath of fresh air back in 2016, because he was something that had never been seen before. I don't know if he can do it again, but I think GOP really needs to concentrate on the younger voters. And hopefully with this new crop that's coming in, a J.D. Vance, uh, hope. Oops, we lost. You, win. you know, Michael, you bring up a great point about the youth vote, because the youth vote went overwhelmingly to the Democrats, and also uh, white single women, which is really interesting. Um, Obviously, a lot of them were focused on, you know, on the abortion issue. That came into play, I think, more than Republicans expected. And some of the youth vote, uh, a lot of them are drawn to, like, issues like, you know, like some of the climate and some of these other things. But you bring up a great point in personality, too, because people do still vote for different personalities, And uh, I think they felt drawn clearly to a number of the message. There also was a lot of money and a lot of effort spent on the youth vote. And I think you're right. The Republican Party needs to spend a lot more time trying to draw them in and having candidates that also can be uh, connecting to them. You're right. They, you know, they see Mitch McConnell or somebody like that. And they're like, uh, you know, how do I relate to somebody like that in their mind? You know, Um, And he doesn't see it. They don't seem to be making the effort either, too. And that's another really, really 
important point. Uh, Michael, thank you very much. Great points. And also the other thing is, too, early voting. Democrats always do really well on early voting. We saw it also in the Fetterman race because so many of them voted early before they saw that abysmal debate. But the Republicans need to do better on that area, too, as well. We're going to continue with your calls after the break. Stunning midterms, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story coming from Kansas City, Missouri, where two Kansas City Police Department officers saved the life of a one-month-old child after responding to calls that she wasn't breathing. The officers, Richard Duchesne and Charles Owen, responded to the call and immediately ran into the house upon arrival. Uh, the mom called 911, and she said that when the first officer got there, thank goodness it was just in time that the baby had suddenly stopped breathing. The best thing is we were there in about 30 seconds after getting the call. That's amazing. Uh, the officer immediately started doing compressions. When that didn't work, he then turned to bay, to back thrusts, and then he saw some progress. After several back thrusts, he said, I could start seeing that life was coming back to that little child. The baby's mother said she was just elated when the child started moving, making noises, and thank goodness, breathing again. She said, that's my hero. He saved my daughter. I will do anything for that man. He saved my daughter, and I will always thank him for that. How beautiful to see the great work that our men and women in blue do every single day and saving the life of this beautiful one-month-old child. Well, we are talking, of course, about the midterm elections. And, yeah, it definitely was not a red wave. It was maybe a little bit of a red ripple. But let's still see, because if the Republicans, and it looks like they're going to take the House— and if indeed they end up taking the Senate, this could really be a bumpy time for President Biden. If the uh, House, first off, and again, it looks like it's going to happen, goes into GOP hands. Well, guess what? The House in GOP hands is going to do a lot of investigations of this president. They're going to start with the uh, border. They're going to start with Hunter Biden. Uh, you can bet they'll also bring in Mayorkas when they talk about border Maybe they'll start bringing in Fauci. Maybe they'll bring in their version of what happened on January 6th, some of the questions, some of the unanswered issues that we never heard about. So there's a lot at stake still for President Biden. It's not necessarily going to be smooth sailing, even if it's just by, you know, one seat that the House goes into GOP hands, even if it's one seat margin. Obviously, it's tougher. But if it's one or two or three or four, it's still the majority. 
and then everything changes in the house. They can block also funds. You know, if he plans some big spending measure, they can say, uh, 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 we're not going to do that. So they can definitely make the next two years very difficult for this president. And if the Senate goes into GOP hands, boy, then this president really is going to have a really difficult ride. Now, this comes at the same time that this president has a 75% basically disapproval, if you will, when people are asked, how's the country going? They're like two-thirds of the country plus say it's going in the wrong direction. So they're not happy necessarily with Biden in any shape or form. They just don't seem, in some cases, that they were driven to some of the other candidates that were on the ballot on the GOP side. In some cases, they were absolutely driven to them because you see it in a lot of blue areas, looking like blue parts of New York. And even Lee Zeldin coming so close to potentially unseat Governor Hochul. That was a biggie. And you look at some of the other races where the Republicans won in New York. How ironic that it looks like blue New York turning red in a couple key areas may be what gets the Republicans to take control of the House. That's never happened. I mean, that's an amazing, amazing moment. So there's a lot of silver linings in there. And the balance of power is what I think is the big silver lining, because I think no government runs well when it's just one party in power. And especially when you see a party that is so consumed with windmills and vilifying the oil industry, open borders, uh, you know, crime. There's so many of these issues that we're just dealing with right now. And there have been no checks and balances. And bringing in at least a roadblock to President Biden and the AOCs and a whole bunch of those just to put that government in check, even if it's just one roadblock like the House, that is a big, big victory. And I think that at least will at least give Americans some comfort to say, well, 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 we're going to at least keep an eye on these things. Stuff is not just going to get ramrodded through. So it's not going to be an easy road. And when I see President Biden gloating today, yeah, they do have uh, reason to be happy. They didn't get, like, pummeled, as many people were predicting in the polls, with a red tsunami. But even a red ripple is going to cause a lot of bumps in the road for the Biden administration. And they are going to be forced to come to testify. There's going to be so many different investigations. They can, again, hold the purse strings. So there's a lot of things that can be held into account. So he can't be gloating too much. Don't gloat too much, Mr. President. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry on line two. Larry, your thoughts about all this? Yeah, hi Rita. You know, I, I heard you talking at the beginning about uh, about Fetterman and, and Oz. And what if this? What if that happened with the debate and everything? You're missing the whole point. Okay, the reason Oz lost is because it's all about charisma. Okay, Oz is Oz was not really into it. He was doing it as a public service. The guy is a surgeon. He's a talk show host. He was he well, his heart was not into being a politician, whereas Fetterman's entire heart was in it. And the same thing that goes with um, goes with you know Zeldin, his heart was in it, but he's not charismatic. Even though Hochul is evil, he is not charismatic. Uh, uh, but and, but uh, two things. But let me ask you, Larry. Uh, first of all, I disagree because I think Oz was in it to win it. There was no question. Oz is not. One of these guys who just kind of does it for a vanity project. I think he absolutely really wanted to be in that Senate seat. I think he worked his heart out. I just think there was an enormous Democratic machine against him. 
And I think had that debate uh, before we move on to the Hochul stuff, I think had that Fetterman debate happened earlier, um, I wonder if a lot of people on the Democratic side, maybe they might have stayed home or they might have crossed over, you know, two party lines or independents might not because you can't once you submit your vote, you can't go out. Can I have a do over? You know, and a lot of people remember they thought he was okay. That's what he was telling the world he was okay. You know, and until they physically saw him and realized uh, he's not okay, uh, it certainly gave reason to pause. I think what if you're a Democrat, independent, uh, Republican, you know, whoever it is, I don't think he would have had those hundreds of thousands of votes that made it so almost insurmountable, I think, for Oz to catch up. That, uh, what are your thoughts on that, Lair? No, I, I think that you're looking just at the margin of victory. The question comes into question, why would anybody vote for Fetterman? Why would he get one vote even? I mean, if, if you look at what he stands for and who he is, I mean, and how he dresses and everything and his health, and the reason is his charisma. What, what is this? By the way, I, by the way, I'm not a fan of his, Lair, I'm not a fan of his dress code, but I wouldn't pick somebody on uh, for politics or for running for office depending on their shirt. Well, or, listen, or their said, hoodie said, in his case. You said Oz was 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 very into it. Okay, he was into it, but his his entire soul he was distracted because you can't have a guy. This guy is a world class surgeon. He's taking a lot, of going very down to become a senator. He, he he was he's just flirting with another career. His his heart really was. He was distracted, and people could pick up on that. That's interesting. See, I didn't see that, but but maybe other people did too. I mean, maybe, yes. you know, but but the other thing I think, too, is that it was just hard for him because he, he listen, Fetterman was known there. Uh, Fetterman got a lot of high profile in the Democratic Party because, remember, he was lieutenant governor during all the stuff that happened in 2020. And so he got a little bit of, you know, Democratic creds, if you will. So the machine was again, you know, was helping big time. There was so much money into that race. Um, but that's interesting. See, I felt that Oz was certainly in it to win it. I actually think Oz should have also fought it a little bit harder. I think Oz, in the debate, clearly Fetterman just kind of imploded himself. And I think that that was the strategy of Oz, just letting him kind of implode because it was so visibly awkward and weird. Um, and, and the fact that he has to have like a stenographer walking around with him for the next few years, it's going to be like, who's right. that guy following you? Oh, is that he, my, he your brother? No, it's jugular. my stenographer. Right. Yes. That's what I think, Lair. I actually think Oz should have taken it to him in, in the debate and he kind of let, uh, let, uh, Fetterman implode. And I think he should have said, um, and, and maybe not necessarily on the health issue or whatever. Maybe there's a way yeah. to bring that up. But even on issues, he sh- remember the remember the moderator did that famous moment on the fracking. She was like, "Wait, wait, wait! No, no, no! You actually haven't been uh, supporting a fracking." Here's in 2018. I thought that was actually like his worst moment, other than the hello, good night. Um, you know, because it showed that he didn't even believe in his own policies. He was telling us he was for fracking, and then she caught him and said, no, 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 here here you are in 2018. But that's where I think Oz should have been doing that kind of part. And I and you heard what I said with the whole thing right. with um, Lee Zeldin and Hochul. I thought, that was, I thought Lee was brilliant when he said, she hasn't answered me yet. It's been 30 minutes into the debate. She hasn't answered me yet because the moderators weren't pressing her on that. And finally, she kind of did this off-the-cuff comment and I think it actually hurt her quite a bit, and it showed in the polls 
that had hurt her. And it was the headline the next day. I don't know why you care so much about. And that's what he should have created that moment as opposed to allowing the moderators to create that moment with Fetterman. And it's also the abortion issue that loomed large. The, the fact that the Republicans didn't deal head on with the abortion issue, they just chose to ignore it. I mean, there's ways to deal with the abortion issue. You, you, you start introducing the concept of God to people, and maybe they'll mitigate their radical views on abortion. But the Republicans are afraid to mention God. Yeah, and, and listen, I think that that was a hard one for them to overcome. And it came at the same time where Lindsey Graham was talking about sort of the national uh, you know, a, a national bill being passed that I think also hurt people because people were worried, is it really going to stay to the states, which is obviously what it was going to do. It just reverts to the different states. Many of them are not changing a thing. I mean, New York included, and Lee Zeldin made that clear. But Kathy Hochul kept going after it, like, he's going to do this. He's going to take this away. And she pointed to other people on the national level. But you're right, there were some missteps. Um and I think that also the Democratic machine just came out in full, full force in so many ways. But the Fetterman one, to me, I, I still am not sure how people, you know, it's funny. I've talked to some Democrats afterwards and they said, well, you know, maybe they felt sorry for him because, you know, he was human and they felt he was more, they were able to connect to him more than Oz, um, you know, almost more of a like a person to person. But that's not why you should vote for somebody. You still want somebody who can get out a sentence and not say hello, good night. You know, that was like, oh, my God, that's a that's a new one, Lair. That one was a new one when it came in. Uh, Lair, thank you very, very much. Um, let's go to Dom in Minnesota. Dom, line five, your thoughts. Yeah, Rita, looks like the red wave turned out to be a red trickle. Uh, I'm disappointed, but not too unhappy. But we did have some interesting outcomes, some some disappointments. Looks like we will be retiring Queen Pelosi with a fat pension. But I hope and pray that Kevin McCarthy doesn't turn into King Charles after he takes the gavel. I'm happy now we sent Be- Beto Bozo packing and gave Stacey Abrams the opportunity of a lifetime to be president of a united earth on Star Trek. <laughs> you know, Dom, you brought up, first off, uh, your point that you just brought up there about Beto and Stacey Abrams. That, to me, is so incredible that both of them, I'm not surprised because they were trailing in the polls, but both yep. of them really thought that they might pull it out. And think about Beto O'Rourke. I was reading this yesterday, Dom. They've spent, the Democrats have raised about $200 million to promote Beto O'Rourke in different races. Because remember, he's run for, you know, he was running for governor this go-round. He got blown out by Abbott. Um, He was running for president another time. He was running for Congress. I mean, all these different positions. He's run for, like, almost every position out there other than dog catcher, you know. And they've already spent hundreds of millions of dollars on this guy and I think his career right now after this, it's like, where do you go after this? I mean, I, you know, that to me and Stacey Abrams, the one thing I'm happy about, Dom, at least she indeed did concede because remember, she never conceded the last time she was going up against Kemp in Georgia. Remember, she never conceded. It was like, oh, the Republicans are the election deniers. Meanwhile, she never conceded. And yet, finally, at least on this one, it's going to be interesting. Where do you think both of them are going to go, Dom, after what clearly were big defeats for two really, uh, at some point, the, some of the brightest rising stars in the Democratic Party? Well, where do you well, think they're next? 
I know as far as Stacey Abrams, she's got a roller's car trick. She's going to be a president of the United Earth. But <laughs> the, point I want to, the point I want to make is because you said that Stacey Abrams conceded. She conceded because she is fairly decent and she is good at math because she said this was such an overwhelming defeat that she says, even if I try to do it, it's too many numbers for me to count and say I won. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why. Maybe yeah. that's why. Oh, yeah, my God. That's what, needs, that's what needs to happen across the board. I think the resounding message we sent as voters is that no amount of endorsement and money is going to matter because we are smart. We can think for ourselves. We can send whoever we like if we make up our mind. That's what we need to do, basically. Yeah, exactly. Now, where do you think, Dom, are you confident that maybe the GOP can can take it in 2024 for, you know, well, for, for president I, and, and for some of these other House races? I'm not quite sure because, you know, I have seen many GOP candidates kind of fold up and, you know, even McConnell started stopped supporting some of the people that are actually going to win or whatever. But I'm not quite sure. But my, so my warning to Republicans is to craft their messaging much like Reagan did with his big tent approach. Reagan said that it isn't so much that liberals are ignorant. It's just that they know so many things that are not so. <laughs> That's the problem. Well, so, and, he, and he had a great delivery. You know, we we're talking about connecting yeah, with people too. He, he did, and I think Ron DeSantis proved that. You know, like he went into a heavy, heavily Democratic district and won that. It's never happened in Florida. So he's he's given us a model to work toward. I hope they will follow his his lead and do some of the stuff that he did with the state of Florida. Yeah, and you know the other thing too. Um, and Dom, thanks so much for the call. But the other thing I think about too, with especially with. Uh, DeSantis, he was very clear. He came across very competent. Um, and in fact, uh, we're going to be talking in the next hour, guys. And I want to get everybody's thought on this because people are talking about exactly what Dom was just talking about in terms of the fact that DeSantis had such a huge win. And especially in Miami-Dade County. I mean, who would have ever thought that a Republican in a typically a very Democratic area of Miami-Dade but he had huge, huge, like, Cuban vote. He even did well in the Puerto Rican community. Um, numbers of, you know, groups that traditionally weren't always voting for the GOP candidate, at least the Puerto Ricans, you know. And that's an interesting group and crossover. And he really did well in, like, every different group, almost every single different county there, basically, in Miami. And he has shown himself to be a credible, competent, focused, but also fearless the one thing you you know, it's people. If people are going, oh well, you know, um, DeSantis. Some people were saying, oh, we lay low. No, DeSantis didn't lay low. DeSantis took on Disney. Remember, he took on you know critical race theory, um, and he basically you know said you know you know woke isn't welcome basically in Florida, and so I think in many ways he just as you are suggesting, Dom, he's a great model to for the Dem- for the Republicans to follow. Because they got to be clear, they got to be forthright, they got to not be afraid to take the fight. Because clearly the Democrats are taking the fight, and they're going to take this message that they got from, you know, this red trickle, as you describe it, Dom, as to keep doing the same thing again. They're going to keep doing it over and over again. They're going to keep saying it's a threat to democracy. It's a threat. It's this. So you got to have at least somebody who can take the fight on the other end back. Uh, or Republicans are doomed. You know, you got to have someone who's going to be fearless 
and and be brazen and stand on their own convictions and, and be clear so people know exactly what they're voting for and exactly who that individual is, the character of that individual. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. What are your reactions to this stunning midterm that, as Dom aptly calls, was a red trickle? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about the lessons from the midterm elections. Who are the winners? Who are the losers? Well, in many ways, the American public will be the losers. I want to play. This is cut 27 of President Biden basically asked today, you know, uh, what do you think? Clearly, people were frustrated with the economy, with inflation. And yet he's still in basically inflation and recession denial. Take a listen. I am optimistic because we continue to grow and at a we are not anywhere near a recession right now in terms of the growth. But I think we can have what the most economists call a soft landing. I'm convinced that we're going to be able to gradually bring down prices so that they, in fact, end up with us not having to move into recession to be able to get control of inflation. And a lot of economists take major issue with that. Not anywhere near a recession, no problem, no crime, no issues. And he basically feels that last night there was a message coming from voters that, hey, Joe, run again and keep the same policies. Boy, are we in trouble, guys. 1-800-848-9222. one 800 848 Nine two two two. Let's go to Norman. Line one. Norm, your thoughts about the midterms? Oh, my thoughts on the midterms. I'm very depressed about this. But uh, I was. I called you yesterday from the floor of the Cipriani. I was gonna, but you were last night. It was uh, not not a call in time for us. But uh, yeah, I was really depressing there. It's today. Ah, we're all in shock here. But uh, uh, basically, uh, we got to take heart. I mean, we did, uh, at least in New York, we did have some wins in Brooklyn, uh, some council seats. They tell me in the Conservative Party, that's uh, a silver lining. And and Norm, Um, too, also, Norm, the fact that even some of those seats, like think about the Michael Lawler, uh, who unseated the head of the Democratic Campaign Committee. That's the money guy for the Democrats. And, you know, now those are GOP seats, at least four of those. And those are going to help tremendously. That basically is what got the House in GOP hands. Who would have ever thought New York seats would have been? So so Lee Zeldin, those tailwinds of Lee Zeldin, I think, absolutely helped those candidates. There's no question about it. And for me, that could be a big, big win for Lee Zeldin. And I think he still has a bright, far, uh, really bright future. I really do in the GOP. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about the midterm elections and the results of a red ripple, if you will. But get this. President Biden took it as a one big mandate. Uh, Listen, there were a lot of victories that Republican had in a number of key races. I want to hear your thoughts on where the winners are, where the losers were, because there were definitely some losers, too. What are your thoughts as to the timing and some of the races that won and some didn't? Um, Nicole Malley attack is in New York, uh, resoundingly beating Max Rose. And then yet on some other races, it was the other way around where a Democrat took it. A number of incumbents stayed in. You know, meanwhile, people say the country, they're not happy at the direction of the country at all, resoundingly. But yet most of the Republicans in cases where they were Republicans or Democrats, uh, voters decided, well, we're going to keep them in. So that's kind of an interesting mix. Why would that happen if people are so frustrated, especially with the Democrats that are in office? You would have said, ah, let's get rid of the Democrats if we're not happy with the direction of the country. But President Biden, just a few hours ago, well, he couldn't wait to do a victory lap. And he says that basically the results of the midterm confirmed to him that he basically should run again. There were a lot of signs that he probably wasn't going to run again. I think he knew he probably wasn't going to run again. And I think had it been a typical midterms where the other party, the Republicans in this case, not the party in power, uh, if they had had a resounding, you know, many, many seats that changed hands in their favor, maybe President Biden would have had a different answer. But today he's like tiptoeing through the tulips And he's sounding like he is planning to run in 2024. Take a listen. Obviously, a lot of attention on 2024 now that the votes have been cast in the midterms. Two thirds of Americans in exit polls say that they don't think you should run for reelection. What is your message to them? And how does that factor into your final decision about whether or not to run for reelection? It doesn't. What's your message to them? To those two thirds of Americans? Watch me. Watch me. Boy, that sounds, he's got a little like spry in his step. And for a guy who never made himself basically accessible almost to the press, today he was like, oh, I'll answer questions. I'll answer some more. I'm available. What do you need? I'll stay here for a few more hours. He couldn't wait to get out. So what do you think? Do you think he really will run again? And do you think by any chance this is a mandate on President Biden? Well, He was sure enough very, very confident, and he even hinted that he may make sure that President Trump can't run again. He is clearly worried about President Trump. President Trump, of course, saying that he may make an announcement, likely probably next week when he's at Mar-a-Lago. He said he's going to have some big announcement on the 15th, Um, so, you know, a week from the midterms night. Of course, uh, not as much headwinds uh, after What happened last night, not as good news for the former president, because, of course, the Republicans didn't sweep things up like a lot of people had predicted. But still, President Biden sounds like he is still damned and determined to do anything to stop President Trump. Take a listen to what he said today. He basically sounds like uh, he's working on some indictment against this president. G7 conversation was tied to your predecessor who is about to launch another campaign. So how do you reassure them if that is the reason for their questioning that the former president will not return, that his political movement, which is still very strong, 
uh, will not oh, yeah? once again take power in the United States? <laughs> well, um, we just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by uh, if we uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he. Uh, under the legitimate efforts of uh, our Constitution, does not become the next president again. So what is he planning under the legitimate grounds of our Constitution? In other words, there's some indictment that would somehow prevent the president? What is he planning? It sounds to me like he is full steam ahead. And if you thought we would hear the end of January 6th out of this president's mouth, I think it's only just begun. And yet... Now the tables could turn because if the House goes into Republican hands, which a lot of people are predicting it's going to happen, if indeed that does happen, well, guess what? Then this president may see the tables turn where they're going to be doing a lot of questions because then the Republicans, at least on the House side, could call in. Hey, let's get to the bottom of Hunter Biden. Let's bring in Fauci to find out about maybe the Wuhan lab. What about also... Let's try to bring in Mayorkas and get some answers of what's going on in the border. There's a lot of questioning that could come out. And I would be fascinating to see, even to see, say, the Republicans do their own January 6th. Hey, here's the part you didn't hear before. You know, remember all these claims about Nancy Pelosi getting word? And we've seen all these reports about all these threats to, you know, security and things that they, you know, expected. And yet nobody added extra security. Yet people have come out and said that they were in meetings where President Trump had asked for extra security so things could be safe. And where was it? Who turned it down? There's word that Nancy Pelosi turned it down. Let's see it. I think the American public needs to hear all sides of the story. So this is not going to be a cakewalk for this president, even if only one house goes to the Republicans. So take a listen. Uh, He was asked about that, and he just kind of laughed it off. And I don't think it's a laughing matter to this president because privately he has told people there are reports out tonight that he has told people he was very worried about investigations into his family and that the GOP could start launching investigations. If you have nothing to hide, why would you be worried? It's okay for you to investigate if President Trump sneezed when he was three years old, you know, and everything else in between. Because, boy, they can't wait to go after him six ways to Sunday. And the fact that he's now saying he's probably going to run again, it looks like an announcement again next week. Biden is going to, what, try to hurry up some indictment right before he goes and makes an announcement? I mean, it's like he can't wait to, like, go after Trump, Trump, Trump. And yet when the tables are turned, it's not fair. So take a listen, though. When he was asked about this today, he basically dismissed it and compared it to a comedy Uh, I don't think it's any laughing matter. And boy, if they get to the bottom of it and start showing how much money his son was making, you know, you're telling me the guy and those videos that we've seen all over the place deserve to be paid millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. If they can prove that, quote, any money ever went to the big guy or someone there like like this, he's in trouble if that happens. Again, we don't know, but it doesn't look good. And here is President Biden just thinking it's one big laughing matter. Republicans have made it clear that if they do take control of the House, that they want to launch a raft of investigations on day one into your handling of Afghanistan, the border. Uh, They want to look into some of your cabinet officials. They want to investigate you. They may even want to investigate your son. What's your message to Republicans who are considering investigating your family and particularly your son Hunter's business dealings? 
Lots of luck in your senior year, as my coach used to say. Look, um, I think the American public wants us to move on and get things done for them. And, uh, you know, I heard that there were, uh, it was reported, whether it's accurate or not, I'm not sure, but it was reported many times that Republicans were saying, and the former president said, how many times are you going to impeach Biden? You know, impeachment proceeding against Biden. I mean, I think, the re I think the American people will look at all of that for what it is. It's just uh, I'm almost comedy. I mean, it's uh, but, you know, look, I can't control what they're going to do. All I can do is continue to try to make life better for the American people. Right. So we're going to keep talking about January 6th. Like, in other words, he's in the same breath saying that he's going to basically go full throttle against President Trump. But yet, if they try to do an investigation of him, oh, the American public wants to move on. He's not moving on. He's everything is January 6th, January 6th, January 6th. So what a bunch of hypocrites. It's OK to sit there and investigate Trump and everybody in the GOP six ways to Sunday. But God forbid they even do one sort of investigation of his son, Hunter. And even John Stewart, the comedian, said, boy, that looks kind of fishy. Boy, that should be investigated. That's a Democrat basically saying that because it doesn't look good on the surface. And yet you can imagine if Hunter Biden was Hunter Trump, there would have been so many investigations by now. Are you kidding me? It's incredible. So he's going to go full throttle against President Trump. But God forbid you do anything to him or his family or anybody in the administration. What open border? What Hunter Biden? Give me a break. This is what Judge Jeanine Pirro says is the lesson, basically, from the midterms and the way that these investigations, she said, that the Republicans should not cower, that they need to double and triple down and really take it to this administration and unveil what she believes is some funny business there. Take a listen. When he says move on, really? This is from the gang who did January 6th over and over and over and teed it up for the midterms. I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to do Hunter Biden over and over and over and tee it up for 2024. And I want us to hire the same production company they did. I want us to hire the same lighting, the same sex, all the sots, all the sound on tape. So should it be? the Hunter Biden investigation as the prime thing for 2024. And she's talking about that uh, former ABC guy, remember, who was the guy who did the whole uh, different hearings where he was the one who organized the video and the sound. And so it looked big and and organized. She's like, we should hire him. And then let's do the Hunter Biden investigations, just like they've been doing January 6th. And by the way, if the House does indeed go into Republican hands, they can certainly do it. It's up. We'll see if the media covers it. But if they uncover some juicy stuff, they sure might. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What is your reaction to the midterms? And also, do you think we should go full throttle the American public in terms of getting answers in terms of getting answers, do you believe that Republicans, Democrats, everybody should want to get to the bottom of a lot of these things? I would like to know, especially about January 6th, was Nancy Pelosi informed? Was the mayor of D.C. also informed that there could be some security risk? Did they turn it down? We've heard all these rumors. We've heard people who've said they were there, which I believe are credible. So let's get the real side, that side of the hearings. Let's, so that way the American public can hear all sides, not just Liz Cheney's side. 
You know, I mean, it's time to sort of have those kind of a hearings. That would be interesting. It would be the real January 6th or the other side of January 6th. And what about also the Wuhan lab? Why did this president give a pass to something that killed millions of people and may have originated there or somewhere else? But let's find out where it originated. You know, I mean, we'll find out where the COVID originated. Why are we why are we hesitating? And why is Mayorkas, who apparently was so willing to go after the border agents after he got information that they hadn't, quote, whipped people and they went forward with it. And he's been turning a blind eye clearly to the issues at the border, saying the border is secure. So is this president that's supposed to get a free pass? That's certainly endangering our national security and our international security. But what, we're not supposed to ask about it? What would you like to see investigated? And do you think the message from what the Democrats did this go round and saying it's a threat to democracy and they're going to go clearly full throttle after Trump? It's January 6th, Trump, Trump, Trump for the next 40 years or 50 years. You can see they're not changing a thing. They feel like last night that was a message at work. Let's do it again. They're going to double and triple down. Is it time that the Republicans on the flip side step up and start saying, you know what, we're going to do the other once they have that power to now do it, which very well may happen at the beginning of January. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mark on line two. Mark, your thoughts about all these investigations. What investigation would you like to see happen? Well, I would really like to see Afghanistan investigated because that was also very suspicious how they just pulled down. It seems that some of the generals said that they should not do so fast, that, that they should keep some troops there. And now we see Afghanistan as a breeding ground for all these terrorist groups that could be launch attacks on American soil. That's a great point. You know, Mark, that that has always baffled me, too, because they said don't pull out. Um, don't leave Bagram, the Air Force Base. And it was done so haphazardly. It'd be interesting to find out what was the whole reason that we left Americans behind? What really happened there? Uh, is it as we suspect that the president just wanted to do it for some political reason? Um, who guided him privately? I'd love to have seen some of the comments from Millie and the others privately, what they told him. And um, to me, that was a that was a national and international tragedy on so many different, different levels. Mark, when we come back and everybody, we're going to continue with your calls. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we are talking about the fact that if and likely when the Republicans are taking control of the House of Representatives, they can do investigations against Joe Biden. And that includes a lot, including Hunter Biden. And there are reports tonight that President Biden is very worried. He says, oh, it's no problem. It's a comedy show. No problem. He's going after President Trump, clearly. And it's January 6th. But God forbid they look into him and his family. And Jesse Waters on The Five on Fox said there's a lot to look into there. And it's not just Hunter Biden who will be on the line. Take a listen. This won't be a Hunter Biden investigation. This is going to be a Joe Biden investigation. And they're going to have bank records and they're going to have witness testimony. And if you follow the money, 
you're going to find out something that might be a threat to democracy if the president of the United States has been compromised or if he's engaged in illicit activity involving foreign powers. It's worth looking into whether or not the media puts it on the air or not. That's why you needed the Senate, because the media takes Senate testimony more often than they take House testimony. I also want to see Fauci testify, Mm. because that's going to be good. I want to see border testimony, and I'd like to see Mayorkas impeached. And then I want to see FBI corruption exposed. And all of the conspiracy with these big tech companies and the CIA, because that is something the American people should know about. What would you like to see? And could Joe Biden be in trouble if they suddenly start looking at bank records and more? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tony on line two. Tony, your thoughts. Oh, hi, Rita. Thanks so much for taking my call. Yeah, the one thing that really blows my mind is, you know, the, the millions. I mean, the, the I've, I've heard it was over 30 million. I'm not sure if that's correct or not. But I'd like to know, like, what what trade-off there was for the Chinese to give over $30 million to the Bidens. I mean, it wasn't a Chinese food recipe, uh, it, it, you know, for that kind of money. It, it had to be something very Unless, And By the way, Tony, it's got to be a great recipe if that's the case. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, I mean, it could, it could be something very, very, like, top secret that, that they shared with the Chinese that – got them this kind of money. And if that's the case, man, that's big time treason. Well, that's why Biden, there are reports that he's very concerned about this, that he's extremely concerned. Should they open the can of worms? And that's why he was ready to throw everything in the kitchen sink to make sure that somehow the House doesn't go into those hands. And he definitely doesn't want the Senate uh, because then it even takes it up to a whole other level, too. And then you have some even, you know, further powers, too, if they own both houses. Um, but you're right. It could open a really ugly can of worms because you look at this guy and I'm talking about Hunter Biden. I mean, clear as day. The guy is like, you know, drugged out. He's with prostitutes. This is all by his own admission. We see it on the videotape. You see it right there. And you're telling me just like you are correct, Tony, that it's an enormous amount of money. And it's from the former mayor of Moscow's wife. Um, it's from the Chinese it's from some other questionable characters. Um, remember, it was the stuff in Ukraine, the Burisma and all that stuff. And this guy is not like a gas expert. Uh, he's not a Chinese expert. You know, he's not a Russian expert. You know, he just happened to be the son, a drugged out son of the pre- vice president of the United States. And the, all that money, there's so many questions about what were they trying to buy access to? Uh, did they get access to something? Because the guy was high as a kite. You know, you're telling me it wasn't a major national security risk. I mean, there's so many things that I think the president uh, should be alarmed if they suddenly start looking into his son. And then remember, there's the brother. You know, it's Joe Biden's brother. There's just a lot of questions there that are hanging out there. And you can't tell me the guy was getting paid tens of millions of dollars, um, you know, because, uh, you know, he was some, uh, you know, that he was some savant. I don't see that. You know, I mean, that's why I think it is going to open a whole bunch of really ugly cans of worms. And if he starts saying, hey, we're going after Trump and we're going after this. And clearly he's not backing down in any shape or form. uh, You know what? Republicans have to also get to the bottom of it, too. And not only for the American public. I mean, I think they would do a tremendous service just to get some answers. And listen, if he's cleared, that's a good thing, too. It helps. But he seems very concerned at this point. Uh, that they may go there. And Judge Janine and a lot of people says they should go there big time. We're going to continue your calls, everybody, after the break and talk about Trump DeSantis. 
This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a powerful story about the honor flight. I love these. Uh, This one took place, of course, to Washington, D.C. this past weekend. The buses to D.C. were filled with all female veterans, guardians and staff, making it a history-making moment for the Twin Tiers Honor Flight Organization. Now, the trip began with a motorcycle send-off. Uh, by a group called the Punishers, the Guardian Bells Nationals, the American Legion Riders, as well as women in the wind led by female officers. Uh, They also received some words of wisdom. Get this from 101-year-old World War II veteran Harold Gary. And then they were taken to the nation's capital, and they went to the Navy Memorial and also a whole bunch of different museums. They also went to the Lincoln Memorial Korean War Memorial and the Vietnam Wall, where they were able to complete sketchings and look at the names of those that they knew. How beautiful and how powerful that this group of mostly female veterans going there with an honors flight just this recently, this weekend, and being able to be recognized. I always love when I see those honor flights. I've gone to um, like the World War II Memorial. And to see those folks who have been flown in from around the country, often it's their first trip to Washington or their first time to go see some of these memorials. It is always so deeply, deeply moving. And in this case, not only was they had also a big dinner honoring them and the Vietnam veterans received lapel pins as part of a Vietnam War commemoration ceremony. It was a moment to receive recognition that they did not get when they returned home from serving. How beautiful to see them appreciated. And we're so grateful, of course, to all of our great men and women in service. Well, last night, of course, big news with the midterm elections. And one of the big winners last night was clearly Ron DeSantis of Florida. Ron DeSantis has now won re-election handily. And he was up against Charlie Crist, who, you know, is a pretty seasoned veteran politician, also former governor, former member of Congress, and they were kind of going back and forth, and everybody thought that Ron DeSantis would win, but boy, did he win big. He won by almost 20 points. And take a listen to his victory speech, because he didn't hold anything back. He has been clear on what he stands for, clear in his beliefs. He is not afraid to take the fight, and he basically says, uh, Florida is the land of freedom. Take a listen. We fight the woke in the legislature. We fight the woke in the schools. We fight the woke in the corporations. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. Florida is where woke goes to die. And then he said a little bit more about Florida being a beacon, basically, for America and the world, and definitely in the fight against the Democrats. Take a listen. Over these past four years, we've seen major challenges for the people of our state, for the citizens of the United States, and above all, for the cause of freedom. We saw freedom in our very way of life, and so many other jurisdictions in this country wither on the vine. Florida held the line. 
Florida held the line. And as we were talking earlier, he also did well in Miami-Dade. Uh, that is a county that is traditionally not good for Republicans, and he won that handily. He won handily with Hispanics, uh, also increased the black vote, uh, even the young vote there in Florida, which didn't go that well across the country for Republicans elsewhere. And so at the beginning of the night, and I was with you guys when the results came in, I remember I was like, oh, my goodness. Uh, as soon as that came in, that was like, is this going to be a big red wave night? Because Florida clearly had a big red wave, you know, between DeSantis and Rubio. That was a huge, huge success. And again, handily winning, handily winning. So now there's a lot of talk about what role Ron DeSantis could play in the next presidential election. Do you think that maybe it might be a DeSantis-Trump matchup? Because President Trump has hinted very strongly that he's going to make some big announcement next Tuesday, and it could be a presidential announcement. And do you think last night's you know, uh, not lackluster, you know, decisions that came from the GOP, uh, from voters as a result to the GOP and their positions and not getting all the House seats that they'd want and not getting the Senate, as many Senate seats and as many governor seats. Again, we'll see where the Senate goes because that could still go in GOP hands. And of course, the House looks likely, but it's not an overwhelming tidal wave. Does that complicate things for the GOP? Does it complicate things for President Trump? Does it elevate DeSantis? Does it look like there may be a matchup between the two? Well, take a listen. This is what Kelly McEnany had to say. I was stunned about this today. This is interesting. Um, and it's actually probably very good advice because right now we don't know which way the Senate's going to go. You don't know if it's going to end up in Democratic hands or Republican hands. It is now going to a runoff for sure, at least in Georgia. That race for sure is going to go to a runoff, no matter what happens with the other two races that are outstanding. Of course, Ron Johnson won Wisconsin a couple hours ago, if you're just learning that. So that's a big win for the Republicans. But there's still, of course, you've got Arizona and Nevada. And regardless, Georgia is going to a runoff between Warnock and Herschel Walker. And so Kaylee McEnany, who was the former press secretary for Trump, said that she thinks Everybody should hold their powder on the GOP side and that nobody should announce anything until after that runoff takes place, that it would distract from the runoff. It could complicate the runoff. Here is what she had to say earlier today about that. There's a very real likelihood it could all come down to Georgia. And what does that give you heebie-jeebies of? That gives you heebie-jeebies of last time around in 2020. And let me just say this. Every ounce of Republican energy, every last ounce needs to go into that Georgia race because it could potentially be what makes or breaks the Senate. Mm -hmm. Getting Herschel Walker over the finish line. I know there's a temptation to start talking about 2024. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. 2022 is not over. Great point. Every Republican energy needs to go to grinding the Biden agenda to a halt. And that yeah. could go straight through the state of Georgia. On Great point. Does that include Trump? I think he needs to put it on pause. Absolutely. Look, he'll make that decision. He'll make his own decision. But does he go to if Georgia? I'm advising any contender, DeSantis, Trump, whomever, no one announces 2024 until we get through December 6th. So is that smart thinking that Trump and others potentially should hold their powder until after December 6th to see what happens with the runoff. So it doesn't take away, doesn't distract from the runoff. And now with Ron DeSantis doing so well, is it going to be a Ron DeSantis-Trump matchup in the GOP side? 
you know, will there be a mano a mano going up against each other to try to see who could win the primary? Or do you think that DeSantis, he's a young guy, he's 44, maybe he waits? Or do you think he says, no, this is my moment? I'm doing clearly very, very well. If you look at what's happening in Florida, and Florida certainly had a red wave. He certainly got a good story to tell. What are your thoughts about that? And does he want to go up against Trump? Boy, it will be an ugly primary. He's already calling him desanctimonious. Remember he did the other day? And that hasn't even started yet. So you can imagine, do you want to be the guy going up against Trump? And if you lose, you will be bludgeoned and bloody and muddy and everything else on the way out. But here is President Biden. He was asked about this just a little bit ago, saying, basically, who do you want to run against? Would you want to run against Trump? Would you want to run against DeSantis? And listen to the way he kind of deflected on the answer. But this is what he had to say. We saw Governor Ron DeSantis with a resounding victory in Florida uh, last night. Who do you think would be the tougher competitor, Ron DeSantis or former President Trump? And how is that factoring into your decision? It'll be fun watching them take on each other. And this is what Mark Penn, who is a longtime Democratic consultant, had to say. Now, he's, you know, granted, he's coming from the Democratic side, but he's already making a prediction of if it turns out to be a DeSantis-Trump matchup. If DeSantis does a knockdown, drag out primary and beats Donald Trump, DeSantis would be virtually impossible to beat in the presidency against anybody. Wow, that's an interesting proclaimer that if he can beat Trump in the primary and then come out with a couple bruises and bullet holes and scratches, it'll be a fist fight for sure, you know, verbally. So if it comes out to that and he can survive that, then he can handle anything, and then he can handle the Democratic Party. Or is Trump really still the guy to beat and the kingmaker in the Republican Party? And because DeSantis is a young guy um, and still, you know, getting his feet wet with politics, even though he clearly has done extremely well, is he the guy that maybe should sit back and wait till Trump goes through? sit back or maybe be the VP. I don't think he would be a VP because it would be a Trump. First of all, I've heard from people close to DeSantis who say he will run for president and that's it. He doesn't want to run for something else if if he does run this time. And second of all, Trump is in Florida, so he's not going to want to pick somebody in Florida, even though he really helped elevate DeSantis. It was his endorsement that really actually helped create DeSantis to begin with. So, boy, could this be a battle royale in the Republican primary? And what are your thoughts as to what the direction should be? And could he get through it? Like Mark Penn is suggesting, if he can make it through that. It's like, if you can make it through hell and high water, then maybe you could be the president of the United States. Then then going up against the Democrat would be easy, I guess, right? 1-800-848-9222. Two. Let's go to Valeria in Florida on line six. Valeria, your thoughts about uh, DeSantis and Trump. You're in Florida. Um, I guess I guess want to first start with the red wave and your reaction to to the midterms and and what you think it means for the presidency. Well, beautiful Rita, I've missed you. I'm glad you took my call. It's been over an hour. I'm on hold. So I want to first start by saying hello. Good night, beautiful Rita. (laughs) 
Valeria, you, you know what? You know what? From being on hold. Oh, thank you. By the way, thank you for for being and for being patient. We appreciate it, Valeria. We've had a lot of callers, and you are so terrific. And we always love hearing from you. And boy, that Fetterman line is one for the ages. If if somebody had said just that moment, like that guy is the one who beats Doctor Oz, who is quite you know he's so eloquent, uh, you'd go no, 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 no. It's almost like a Saturday Night skit. But it's sadly reality. It is. It is. But I just want to say you're worth it. You're worth it and more. Thank you. you and thank you. Here. I love having you on. We, thank you. Thank you. So last night, about last night, what a night. Ron DeSantis flipped not only Miami-Dade, but he also flipped Palm Beach. That's right. And that's a very liberal area, as you know. Two counties. Two, yep. two liberal counties. He didn't flip my county, which is Broward. But that's Okay. Where, what what questions do you have for me? Because I just <laughs> I I've met Ron, you know. First oh, you've met him, most- okay. And I've met Ron DeSantis too. Um, what first off, knowing him now, Valeria, or at least having met him, what are your impressions? And where do you see him? Do you see him running this time? Uh, do you see him wanting to take on President Trump? I I think you know the problem that President Trump has right now is. Even if he wanted to wait after given everything that happened with the midterms last night, he committed to making an announcement on Tuesday. So either he's going to announce that, uh, you know, he's uh, moving back to New York or or he's, uh, you know, doing something. It's got to be something dramatic or something. Or he's going to say, I'm running for president. And, and by all accounts, he's already kind of signaled that he was going to say he's running for president. So even if he wanted to sort of wait and give a little bit of a buffer, it's a hard thing to do now that he's set the stage to make an announcement that he's making an announcement, which is what he did in Ohio. So where do you see it going? Do you think DeSantis will throw his name in? And do you think Trump will throw his name in? Well, first and foremost, DeSantis has never said, I'm going to be the governor for a couple of years and I'm going to leave you all in care of my lieutenant governor and I'm going to go be the pres- try to be the president. He's never said that. Trump is just scared because everybody loves him so much. And when Trump gets scared, he shoots his mouth off. He listens. He hangs around with crazy people from time and again, like Roger Stone. He, he should never hang around with him. He should never take his advice. Number two, He's been having a hard time retaining attorney, getting attorneys, and he's got this young, very pretty attorney from New Jersey who he plucked out of obscurity. She goes on Fox News and other news stations before this big election and, and, and warns Ron DeSantis to stay in Florida, which is a joke of coming from this little pipsqueak from New Jersey. She should stay in New Jersey and stay out of politics and just concentrate on her caseload that Donald Trump has given her. Okay, so where are we? So, yeah, where are we with DeSantis? Do you see, you know, you're obviously, you feel that, do you feel Trump will run and should run? Do you think DeSantis will run and should run? As a Floridian, I don't want to, I don't want to lose him for the four years, okay? I, I don't want, I don't want to lose him for like part of the four years. We would lose him for part of the four years. Yeah, you know that, right? By the way, what you mean, DeSantis, 1000%. Although, you know, it's interesting. Last night when he was at, uh, his victory speech that we just played some of, they were chanting, um, you know, uh, like two more years, basically. In other words, in two years, 
we know we're going to lose you, you know, to maybe run for president or be president in two years. So there are a lot of people in Florida who would be willing if because they love him, as as the polls definitely show. And so do I. So let me clarify that. But he could get a lot of things done within two years. And Ashley Moody, his lieutenant. um, Did I say Ashley? Yeah, Ashley Moody. Um, Yep. Yep. His attorney general. His attorney general could take over the helm and do a fantastic job. Okay. Having said that, having said that, Trump is almost forcing him to run for president because Trump is acting unhinged. He's listening to the wrong people, which I explained before, and his mouth is, 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 is acting, he's acting unhinged. He's scared. He really wants to be the president again. He he's doing all these rallies, okay, and he's going about it the wrong way. And Kaylee McEnany has given him great advice on cable news today to say, "Do not announce next week. Wait till this runoff in Georgia has been settled." I agree because I I think Valeria, it's it's a distraction. Whoever it is, not just Trump, but I think it's a distraction. Um, you don't want people to take their eye off the prize and think about anybody with the presidential race, you know? He feels threatened by Ron DeSantis's, you know, favoritism right now. He feels very threatened by it, and he had no business saying that Ron was sanctimonious on Saturday. People forget, but I don't forget, that that's what he called Liz Cheney, rightfully so, back in August, okay? You don't use that same slur against, your governor and my governor, okay, you're not acting like a Floridian. You're acting like a sour grapes New Yorker. Well, that, that And, and you know what? Right but the now. thing is, you know, Valeria, that's sort of his style. And by the way, he said a lot worse about Liz Cheney, for sure. There's no question about that. Um, and he she did. said she and said a lot worse about him, too. But but I hear right, what you're I, saying. I, no, I hear I hear yeah. what you're saying that that, um, you know, and especially I th- see. I think part of it was an orchestrated attempt too to basically publicly send a message to him that you know he's he's not afraid to go after him if he puts his toes into the water. In other words, I think it was an orchestrated strategy. Whether I agree with you know, I hear what you're saying. I don't like you know the, the necessarily the name calling and all that, but it was an orchestrated effort to say basically stay out of this, you know, uh, DeSantis, especially right now, stay out of this. I'm planning on going and trying to clear the field, if you will. And and to Trump's point, he still pulls huge amounts of people at rallies. I mean, when he came out, to people are criticizing some of the candidates he backed, but a lot of them were told to him to back, like, hey, these, this is a good person. He's with your values or whatever. The other one is, too, is that J.D. Vance, there are a number of MAGA candidates, if you will, that did do well. So it's a mixed bag on the results. Uh, but there are reports that Trump is not happy today uh, by the results. And I, how can he be when you look at the dismal, basically, results for Republicans? They should have won uh, handily. Bad economy, crime, so many issues. Bad president with so many issues should have won. Um, and it may, as you and I are just talking, open the door to somebody like a DeSantis uh, coming in. But but Trump's sort of in a box now because he said he was going to announce and and I think he still clearly wants to run, too. So there, there is a lot of soul searching, I think, that's going to happen. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show.
just heard from Valeria, who's down in Florida, who didn't like the name calling by Trump of DeSantis and wonders, will DeSantis run after he at least had a red wave in Florida? Uh, but Trump may also be looking to still make a big announcement next Tuesday. So the presidential race may be well underway before we decide the fate maybe of the House and before we definitely decide the fate, it looks like, of the Senate. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Devin. Line one. Devin, your thoughts. Uh, hey, Rita. Uh, thanks so much for taking my call. Um, listen, I just want to say last night I was shocked. I was stunned. I was astounded that half of these millions of voters, despite gas prices being so high, despite food prices being so high, despite record inflation, despite this emergency at our border during a pandemic of all times, still managed to spank us, basically. Um, to me, the obvious lesson to take from this is that the, these lunatic liberals have done an extremely successful job of brandishing all of us normal people, us, us adults in the room, as white supremacist, racist, evil people. That is the lesson here that I take from this. And to me, the way we counter that is not to allow Trump to re- reinforce that message with his loud mouth. DeSantis is our alternative. He is the, the brilliant light shining in the room, and we need to rally around him. And in my, my opinion, I think Trump is running to insulate himself from being indicted. I think he knows that if he runs, the likelihood that he's going to be indicted lessens. Very, so that's sorry, an inter- but- no, no, no. That's an interesting point um, that in terms of uh, the reason is I see, I, I actually disagree. I think he feels uh, and obviously he's even said it, that he wasn't happy with the last results. He questions the last results and would like to get back there for that reason. But also, I also do think he's seeing the country fall apart and would like to make a difference again. I mean, he certainly had better gas prices when he was there. And you can certainly say it was a closed border. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.